Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sutri, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight and Michael Sidgwick and Atlanta Street Fight Cody versus Andrade El Idolo. How are you feeling? I'm not sure, and I'll tell you why. There's probably going to be a lot of discourse surrounding the outcome of this match mm. if, in fact, Cody wins. People don't like Cody winning at all, even though he has to win quite a bit realistically because he's one of the top stars in the company. And if he loses too often, he will not resonate as a star. That is the simple fact of the matter. People have got different opinions on who he should have lost to. Everyone's got their own favourites and their own personal stakes, myself included. But he has to win quite often because that's what stars do. Otherwise, they won't be stars. Who wins this match isn't my issue. My issue at this point is I don't think it matters who wins this match. And my investment has been kind of weakened Mm. as a result. I cannot tell you off the top of my head, and this is bad for AEW, I can remember virtually every wrestler's 2021, there or thereabouts, in terms of who they won, who they lost to, where they ascended to on the card or whatever. Mm. Your history of AEW is very good. You've written a book about it. In fact, yes, at whatculture.bigcartel.com right now, you can pre-order Becoming All Elite, the rise of AEW. They are selling fast. I know we do a bit, but they are selling fast, so really um, get a hold of that while you can. Um, But if you go back and attempt to trace and link the victories and the sort of sprawling Cody, Pac, Malachi Black, Andrade, El Idolo, four-way, whatever this is, mm-hmm. I've lost track of who's won. I don't know if it matters who's winning 
They're all kind of in the same 50-50 position. I can't remember who won the first Cody versus Andrade match. <laughs> I genuinely can't. That is a bad and major issue mm. that's affecting whatever all of this is. I've got no doubts that the match will be very, very good indeed. I think it's going to be fascinating in that, all right, this is fascinating, but wouldn't it be better if everything worked kind of way? <laughs> when, well, the, the, the shorthand comparison is John Cena in, you know, throughout the 2010s of, oh, the audiences are loud, they're hot, everyone's got an opinion on one way or the other. And even back then, I was thinking, well, yeah, it's good and it's loud and it's good to be invested one way or the other, but wouldn't it be good if there was just a baby face who everyone really, really liked just being all the way over, whose work wasn't sloppy. <laughs> and I'm getting those same vibes. It's like, it's interesting. It's fascinating. I do love the little glimpses of Cody. I, li I like trying to trace. Uh, is he being a heel? How much is this on purpose? Mm. But at the same time, they are effectively, in my opinion, at this point, like wasting four great talent. And the, the worst thing about Cody is that he likes to play with the texture of the fluid babyface heel alignment. Yeah. And the worst thing is, he's an incredible babyface and he's an incredible heel. <laughs> when he's in between the two things, he's not quite so incredible. So just pick a side, goddammit. At this point, the let it play out thing is very valid. It's a meme in another company. It's genuinely something I will do in this company. But I don't know who wins this match and I don't really care. And the worst of it is I don't think it matters. And mm. um, it'll be a great match, I think. But yeah, this is all very weird to me at this point. No, I agree. I think it's going to be a great match regardless. Um, fascinating are your thoughts on, on the Cody character, Hamlet, and this match, of course. You know, a lot of people debating, as, as Sid said, you know, he's talked about the, the, the not necessarily defined heel babyface dynamic. Uh, and people can't really decide whether he's just genuinely swimming against the tide of people who desperately want to see him turn heel or whether he already sort of has turned heel in the fact that he refuses to acknowledge that he is a heel, if that makes sense. But yeah, your thoughts on all this, Hamlet? Yeah, it's, I've said this every week. I don't doubt that there is a story taking place. I just think it's a pretty rubbish one. And the reason I think it's a pretty rubbish one is because of the lack of um, excitement and atmosphere around matches like these and around the tag match at full gear and I guess to a lesser extent the eight man because I um you know like I know that I got a little bit more praise um the you know the sort of the big main event they had but you know the moon is right for a street fight so I think that'll be great in Atlanta <laughs> because I want to see Cody getting booed in Atlanta and I think that's what they're doing and I think they know they can have some fun with the the audiovisual sensory overload of Cody being this hated creature in Atlanta in this sort of thing that you thought you would never see. Mm. And I get I guess they get to benefit from that. I guess they get to they're getting something out of it. They're getting these quite unique viewing experiences that I, I said it when he cut that promo the other the I will not turn promo. It's, I do find myself wanting to watch and I sort of think he's a He's not, an, he's not an entirely unwelcome presence on the show, which I think I, I never want that to get twisted when he wins and people, like as Cedric points out, when, when he wins matches that people really don't want him to win, there's the sort of the comparisons are made to your Triple H's or your Jeff Jarrett's. They became extremely unwelcome presences on those shows when they were winning all the time. I've never particularly found Cody unwelcome, and I certainly don't find him one here. 
but I don't think the story is particularly good. And this is a storytelling company. And the reason it is the storytelling company is because all the time we preview these matches, big or small, and the result matters and the aftermath matters and the direction of the characters coming out of it matters. And that has almost never felt the case in this current Cody arc. And it, it doesn't here. Um, you know, Andrade dropped him flat on his in the head on uh, like after Dynamite went off the air last week. They're going to do that or worse this week. So elements of it should be fire, should be just total electricity. But am I, am I that fussed currently about where any of it's going? No. I watched the uh, the little brief road to they've got up on their YouTube channel before we came in here. And uh, I point this out to usage, an interesting comment from someone suggesting that this might be the breaking point almost for Cody, i.e. getting booed out of Atlanta may finally make him snap, especially if, you know, he's... He's, you know, a bit like Ronda at, what was it, Survivor Series. She's she's given her all and the fans just reject her regardless. It, it could be something akin to that, I suppose. I mean, if he does get booed, it'll be electrifying, as Hanford points out. But it's just so all over the goddamn map, whatever this is, that I just can't decide what I want. I, it's just so weird. I'm sick of talking about how just weird it is. If you analyse everything that Cody says... He's been saying literally since before AEW was a thing that he doesn't believe there's any such thing as a baby face or a heel. Even when he was doing the wonderful being the elite megalomaniac deal in 2018, there was still a note of, am I taking this too far? There was still a little bit of conflict there. And he was still honestly a dick at Double or Nothing 2019. Yeah. He was a dick to his brother in that match. And yet he ended it as the savior of professional wrestling. Like even when he was mostly playing a defined role. There was still texture within that, but this is just far too centrist, Cody. Yeah, <laughs> um, like that. But the thing is, it's like he genuinely a doesn't think that there is a heel role in general for him to turn to. He's genuinely passionate about his community outreach and like mm-hmm. meeting um, marginalized groups um, ahead of the shows themselves. We see footage of that on social media. Um, he just said, I don't want to turn in. I'm not doing it. I don't want to play a fake role on TV and then meet um, fans ahead of it and be a liar. And he's also, if he's a heel, you're gonna, he's going to have to renege on a stipulation that is the ultimate measure of AEW's trust. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate measure of AEW not being a carny organization if he reneges upon the idea that he can't um, challenge for the AEW world title but is it, if he turns proper heel in the old fashioned way that's absolutely the first thing that character has to do otherwise the character's an idiot this is all a complete mess I don't know how it converges if it converges at all in a pro wrestling storyline we should be looking at what happens the next week who wins in the end um, when the heat angle is going to happen or whatever we should all be doing it in like an upwards graph of investment and momentum all they're doing on these podcasts and all everyone's doing online is talking in circles and yeah. around what any of this is. And that's not good. Um, we also saw last week uh, with uh, that wild main event, one of, if not the best promos uh, of 2021, CM Punk and MJF just started the show off white hot. This week, CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. Um, how do you see this one playing out, Hamlet? And is MJF going to be involved? Is he going to be, I don't know, 
giving his thoughts on commentary or, I mean, he's going to be in and around. He's, he's, he's in the sphere of CM Punk now, isn't he? Yeah. I, commentary was where my head went to this. I mean, what a total thigh rubber of a match this is, by the way. They continue. It's been really the masterstroke of AEW's roster composition from the very beginning. I know a lot has always been said of, especially in the last sort of year or so, about there being a bit too much bloat or the need to maybe trim some of the fat. But when they get their um, matches like this announced, you realise the benefit of the, the sort of variation of talent you've got. This I want to see CM Punk blown up all over again by another young talent that he needs to test himself again. I still like that story, and I like their attempts to tell that alongside the MJF one, the Eddie Kingston one, the other. The big picture Punk stuff can happen alongside these monthly rivalries that are going to be the really awesome promos that we talk about or the really quite emotional fights that CM Punk has to have. I still like this climbing up the rankings story that they can tell with him at the same time. And as soon as I saw that graphic, that was what I thought. I thought, oh, they're not just abandoning one thing just because, like, and I, I get it as well. A lot of people with Eddie Kingston and with MJF now feel like they're getting the Punk that they paid for, but I want both. I want that guy and I want this guy that still came to AEW for the original reasons he said he did. So I love the potential of this match. The fact that it feels like it, it almost can't fail. Punk hasn't really yet. I know there was a few wobbly moments in the powerhouse Hobbs match, maybe. But other than that, every time he's looked completely gassed, it's been sort of in service of the of the wider narrative anyway. And I don't expect there to be any of the issues against Moriarty. So I think that'll be awesome. I think MJF will be on commentary because what he can identify, and this can go unsaid, is that he finds Punk in a position where he can't reply. He lost a battle of turn-taking last week. But at the commentary table, he doesn't have to worry about that. And he can like big-time it and lord it over CM Punk, who is going out there and is grafting. When we know that MJF doesn't even want to do that, he wrestles on Dynamite because he's contractually obligated to, and then dares to whinge about not getting up the rankings because <laughs> he won't put the time in. So I love that, like, if you have MJF out there on commentary, I love that it kind of shows the characteristic contrasts between the two while MJF just gets to like spew more bile rather than feel like he's involved in this game of tennis like he was last week. I just think that's a, that's something I want to see in here of this, of this latest CM Punk match, because it's a model of maybe how to book Punk going forward. You know, you, you set something up awesome as he did with Kingston, as he did with MJF. And then you just get back to the wrestling of it while you wait for the big match to come. What's funny about this is my mind went to the exact same place and it's not in my mind. <laughs> mind. No, I instantly pegged commentary as uh, the way to um, integrate the MGF versus CM Punk feud into this um, televised match that exists for the rankings. Um, what is he, 7 and 0? I think I read on Twitter, maybe. Punk? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Well, color personality hits, then MGF's theme hits, and he motions to interrupt him again, but he just faints. I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm just going to commentate. Then Moriarty comes out. We're going to get, hopefully, I kind of expect nothing less at this point. Another, like, really technically intricate, yet TV-friendly match that CM Punk's excelled at. I've put it across before us. He's wrestling now as if he's just walked out of Ring of Honor and just became this great TV wrestler, like, instantly. Um, I love that aspect of his work. He's the best of both worlds. Mm. TV experience with the actual craft of pro wrestling that he always loved more than sports entertainment. I'm interested in how much he's going to give Moriarty. I expect quite a lot. Um, being a nerd that I am, I would like to see certain spots where 
CM Punk still to a degree doing the whole, oh, I'm happy to be here thing because he's slowly morphing into, I'm not just happy to be here. I want to kind of run here at this point. Like the idea that you can do the body slam stuff. Uh, Moriarty is an, is an excellent sort of Venus fly trap of a submission guy. Could reverse that into a heel hook. Ooh. And then, or like a leg grapevine of some sort. Then CM Punk would wear like a great animated facial expression as if to say, oh Christ, I might, I can't dick around here. <laughs> like nice little <laughs> like beats that serve as wider story, but in the context of a pro wrestling match. Um, all the while, MJF is just MJF goes places where no other heels allowed to go. And that's the genius bit of his character. Like he has to say when he's when they're doing the thing before the match, it's about can I say this to you? Can I say this to you? Like it's it's mad wrestling. You can't have a thin skin at all because if you do, then you're a mark for yourself. Mm. And MJF can go, ah, I have to say this, I have to say that. He can, if Moriarty gives him a workout, and I will, and maybe that's what this match is all in service for. Moriarty is an incredibly like convoluted technical pro wrestler with amazing stamina who can make CM Punk's like stomach quiver, the sweat. <laughs> Drip off him, and that's what CM Punk, uh, that's what MGF can point out on commentary. And it's like, so he's struggling to breathe in there, CM Punk, or is it just me? He's oh, a, a very sweaty guy, isn't he? Maybe he's uh, meth withdrawals. Like, there's loads of opportunities to take what happens to CM Punk during the, this early run of his, and MGF can just bury him for it. And then CM Punk wins, so he never gets put under the bus. Yeah. Someone who's just a snacked old guy. Uh, there's loads of, loads and loads of opportunities to do this. He could set his um you could hear this little beep on commentary 30 odd seconds into the match and he could say, Sorry, I just set an alarm so he could last longer than his first fight in UFC. <laughs> like, so like, like you could just be extra again, extra cruel without the comebacks, without Punk's opportunity to sort of pick up on any of this until next week. We have to sit on this as Punk will until next week. Uh, one final thing before we move on. Your rule that you explained on Twitter regarding the star rating for this match. Deduct. A star and a quarter if he wears the long boys. <laughs> Add a star and a quarter if he wears the fight shorts. I'm starting <laughs> to think that they were very much using the word fight, 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 and they very much had a fight when it was Punk versus Kingston. So I do think that was match and programme-specific gear, which is unfortunate because I thought he looked like such a superstar in those drugs. And looking like a star is so much more important to me than, like, storyline yeah, mm. if that makes any sense. Just look your best. Look like a star. It's a star-driven industry, this one. <laughs> I don't like the long boys. Every time he wears something else, I'm reminded of the fact that I don't like the long boys. Trunks or shorts. The, the long boys were an experiment. He wore them because every wrestler worth their salt knows that when you turn or join a new promotion or make a comeback or whatever... You have to disassociate fans yeah. of the previous incarnation of your character. The reasoning behind the long boys, very clever. They didn't flatter him physically at all. <laughs> Please never wear them again. And for your final thoughts as the uh, the gear guy at what culture? Without sounding like I'm insinuating <laughs> things there. Uh, Robert, they're just lurking outside the office. <laughs> Uh, Rob Van Dam airbrush singlet for me, please. Before the real Van Dam comes back, I want I want this to be the wild best era of CM Punk attires. Like I want uh, Van Dam singlet this week. He can save the full Bret Hart attire for his first title match. Just keep them coming. Just keep all these different looks coming. I, I welcome that short. It's a it's a brave new world. He can he can do his RH fight shorts once upon a time, like the big baggy ones once as well. I welcome it. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Before we go any further though, this show is sponsored by Better Help. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favourite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's move on and talk about uh, the match in which Someone's O has got to go. Always wanted to say that. Uh, Dobby Allen and Sting versus Billy and Colton Gunn. Uh, intriguing, this one, Hampler. Uh, which tag team do you think loses their undefeated record? Is it intriguing, Will Bond? Is it? I mean, we've had to, you know, they've put the work in, I guess. Um, I don't know if this qualifies as Sidgwick's take before as like not everything needs a story. And we've had two or three weeks of Darby Allen and Sting versus the Guns to take us to this battle of the undefeated streak look it's i like i'll be generous about this right i like any time that the um aw's relatively careful use of the rankings can benefit an otherwise bland tv match like here um not that i'm saying um demon sheeda would have been bland but it was a pretty cool thing to have the 50th match hanging over the top of it it started a feud between them ultimately mm. over, you know over this trophy I, I love that the rankings exist i love the framework that AEW have created that allows for this to be more than just an odd visual of Sting and Billy Gunn being tag partners to respective younger allies. Uh, I'm not terribly invested. Like I expect Darby Allen and Sting to win. Um, but the thing is, that's because they're the stars, not because, oh, the guns are finally going to lose this odd, perfect record that at best has been a bit of a, like a punchline, really. It's been a bit of a joke that the guns have had this incredible record that they've built up almost entirely on dark and dark elevation. Um, it's going to go tonight, but I, I cannot pretend that there's real stakes attached. And what, because this is a tag thing and because Darby Allen has needed Sting's help, I can only hope that Darby goes into his next serious feud and still has doubts over if he can 
turn a corner results wise because this doesn't really feel, this doesn't really feel like in WWE once I remember like Vince said like Austin you're going to the back of the line the bottom of the ladder tonight you're going to face the Brooklyn Brawler and everyone oh no Steve Austin's back fighting the, he beats the Brooklyn Brawler and the next week it's like all right title shot number one contender it's like that's a pretty short ladder like Darby <laughs> Allen can't be back to winning ways by virtue of a couple of wins over the guns. It just doesn't feel earned enough. So I hope this isn't that. I hope this isn't a vehicle just right. Right, good. Solve that. Solve my slump. Put me back in the title picture. And I, I trust him enough to think it won't be, but I'm not mega hyped over this. I kind of am, <laughs> despite not really enjoying that much of it beyond like two or three Darby Allen bumps in the match they had on Rampage. And the kick out. Well, that was rubbish. That was rubbish. What was that, now, what was that about? That was really weird choice, that wasn't it? And uh, and uh, just don't put your finish on someone that it looks weak against. Otherwise, the finisher itself looks weak and means he can't beat anyone with it, which is the whole point of a goddamn finisher. Oh, the second one, point away, just put it away. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Love that. Love that brother. Yeah. I'm high on this for three reasons. Four reasons. And I will list those reasons. One, it's the end, surely. <laughs> it's the end of this, surely. And what it's the end of, ultimately, is an undercard attraction. A little... And I'm not saying it excuses the fact that this is just very much has a filler quality to it, but it's the end of an undercard attraction. Who cares that much when you see what else is on the show? I've lost count of the reasons. That was one. <laughs> Second reason. Gun Club's theme, it's beautiful. Slaps. It's really cool. It's really unusual. I'll well, have somebody else at it. But <laughs> I like listening to it. I'm only going to listen to it once, because obviously Darby Allen and Sting are winning. Right? Third reason. Right? I did really like those bumps. Those bumps are going to be even better, because the rule of drama means you have to escalate drama. That's just the rule mm-hmm. of it. And these bumps are going to be A, more painful looking, and B, all in service of Sting saving Darby Allen from this big bodybuilding geriatric. <laughs> it's a match that is designed to get people to want Sting to come into the ring so that Billy Gunn can kick, pick on someone his own size. And it's Sting in Atlanta, Georgia. Right, Sting in Atlanta, Georgia, in front of like six or seven thousand people, going bananas for him. It's going to be like it's going to be incredible. His like interfe- uh, not interference, his uh, save, running, oh, whatever, yeah. hot tag. That's the one I'm looking for. It's going to be great. This is going to be talked about something amazing tomorrow. I guarantee you. Yeah, that's kind of why I, I said that. What I said the way in, in terms of introducing it, it's one of those ones where you go, uh-huh. and then afterwards, it's going to be gift all over the place. This. Yeah, there's been a lovely little trend in AEW 2021 now that they've actually been able to go anywhere other than Jacksonville. Of let's do really cool location specific stuff. Yeah, baby faces win, whatever. Sting doing stuff in Atlanta is one of the very best uh, versions of that. So this will be class. Uh, more location-based stuff to come. Uh, before we talk about that, though, Sige, uh, it's the final quarterfinal in the TBS Women's Championship Tournament. Uh, Ruby Soho, Chris, that under winner goes through to the semis to face Nyla Rose. Is it Ruby Soho's to, to lose, do you think? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it is. I'm really looking forward to this. I yeah. think that the very best possible version of this match genuinely could be excellent. Um, I think Ruby Soho needs an excellent match. Otherwise, it might feel like a novelty of the reactions and she might just sort of... I've really been impressed by her individual work in matches that, for whatever reason, didn't add up to this great whole. She hasn't had her big, iconic AEW moment yet beyond her debut. Uh, on the subject of her debut, I think they are gonna they've taken this really quite cool route back to the awesome Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho last two in the Casino Battle Royale. Yeah, I've wanted a, a feature version of that interaction for some time. I feel like that's gonna be the final, but that's by the by. Statlander is great. Ruby Soho is capable of greatness. I think that they've really sold this one on telly, more so than most fixtures in this tournament. Um, Chris Statlander is incredibly powerful. Ruby Soho's a really good, smart wrestler. Mm. Um, I expect him to have great chemistry. The dynamics there, they should theoretically be able to work a good and compelling match with one another. But given how they how often they've built this, especially not just in small doses, but you know, it's comparable to something that Miro gets. So it's there is a bit of um equality here. But they've really kind of fed people the idea that this is going to be a big and good match. So I've been conditioned for one. So I really think this will be very, very, very good indeed. I've been saying, well, I seem to say every week, uh, Hamford, that the tournament has really kicked into gear since the quarterfinals started. And I think this one's going to be no different. Yeah, I am. Um, I echo Sidgwick's points there. I've, I've bought into the build a little bit here. They've put the good kind of pressure on the wrestlers themselves by giving them the platform for this to matter. This feels anything but a last quarter hour women's match which is great for the division, it's great for the stakes, it's great for the new belts, all that sort of thing. Um, and I guess the, like it is now in the hands of Soho and Statlander to deliver on the, the potential and the promise of it. The Soho, the Ruby Soho problem is not really a problem, by which I mean, I, like, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's been hard to see the, like, the matches as they are really delivering on the expectation of Ruby Soho, but that hasn't meant that there hasn't been a bit of the magic too. Um, certainly in a debut, certainly in flashes against um, Britt Baker. And in general, I think what goes sometimes, I think it goes unmentioned sometimes, but sometimes that's because it rarely happens anymore. Um, For all that, there was an argument that maybe WWE in-ring training and conditioning has kind of like rubbed some of the sheen off Ruby Soho a little bit and she's got to get out of the system and find find herself in the ring. She does at least feel like a bigger star as a result of coming from WWE. I think like it is mm-hmm. possible that like you can still feel like a big deal if you've come from there. And she's got that. And I think that'll rub off on Statlander tonight. I think it'll Statlander's had these really like underrated performances in big match environments. And I think this is going to be another one here where it'll be like a really good night. She's going to lose, I think. Yeah. Like Ruby Soho versus Nyla Rose feels to play. But I think it's going to be a really good night for Chris Statlander in terms of her development and the amount of times that when her time comes, either for the TBS or the, the the world title, we're going to be able to look back on several examples where Statlanders felt almost there, but not quite. And I yeah. think this is going to be another one. So I've got like high hopes for this. I really, really hope it delivers. Just sticking with women's wrestling in AEW quickly, Sige, you said something to me in the office earlier that you'd like to see on this time. Do you think it's going to happen? 
it's one of those things where it's like, until it happens, I'll never predict that it will happen because it's just such a departure. Um, but if you look at Rampage this week, they like to get a token women's match on every single TV show. I think that they've got a two out of three falls match and another title match. There's so little room for them to do that that I'm expecting at most on Rampage, your 42nd Jade Cargill squash to you know heat her up as a favorite for the tournament. If I would much rather than do a competitive second woman's match on Dynamite. <laughs> and if they need to have a quarter of two women's matches on telly per week, one on Dynamite, one on Rampage, don't do the women a disservice by just having Jade Cargill beat some scrub from an Atlanta training school in 40 seconds that no one's going to possibly care less about. No offense to Jade Cargill, but we've talked about. Mm-hmm. No, I um, Oh, this is the Jade Cargill squash that's obviously going to win. Not like, oh, this is, I don't know who's going to win this match, but it's, uh, it's going to be good. It's different to that. I say this all the time. Serena Deep versus, I don't know, Red Velvet, with the idea that Serena Deep wins, with the idea that the Karachina has really got a closely contested battle upcoming when they resolve that feud. So Serena Deep versus somebody on Dynamite, to me, is much preferable yeah. than, oh, we need a women's match on Rampage, otherwise it looks bad. Get Jade Cargill out there for 40 totally pointless seconds. <laughs> Uh, before we get to Brian Danielson, uh, Hamlet, uh, one major development we saw on Dynamite last week was Dante Martin signing seemingly with Team Taz. Do you see developments and, uh, well, fallout from that this week? I hope so, because this is, like last week was really good episodic stuff. I was as devastated as Leo Rush appeared to be with that Dante Martin decision. Um, not just when he signed the contract, but when he accepted the crisp from Hook as well. I oh. accept him to be sharing another one this way. Yeah, they might go low on the details of this, you know. This might just be um, Taz feeling like he's got his fire back a little bit. One of them backstage promos where they always look really mean and nasty, Team Taz, because Dante Martin is not a mean and nasty guy. And I think they might be able to have some fun with the idea that he is paired next to these thuggish, nasty people with Taz, with that big... He, he smiles, the biggest smile, while saying the nastiest, cruelest things. And I love that about Taz. Yeah. He's like, this big laugh while he's on about, hell, we're going to kick his ass. <laughs> like that. Right in the yam Right in the Just the celebration, and it only needs to be short, but backstage of getting Dante Martin's signature. And maybe the a challenge or the announcement, laying out something for like Rampage or for next week's Dynamite that puts... Dante Martin in the ring for the first time as a Team Taz representative. Something like, a, like it doesn't have to be a tag match because then you've really got to see him coexisting with the group and you maybe don't need to stay too far. Maybe a singles match where like we're so excited to unveil our newest signing and it's going to be next week against whoever. And then you get people hyped and excited for the first match. And then maybe over the course of that period of time, then you've got Leo Rush being able to express his disappointment or like maybe he'll be watching or maybe he'll be on commentary or something like that. A minor development rather than a major one, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I don't know how it plays out. I know that it will play out. It's great analysing and previewing a company in which that's actually worth the goddamn investment, right? All I know is Tony Khan knows what he's doing. Tony Khan knows how to get the very best out of his characters. The very best attribute to Taz is him being incredibly pissed off. <laughs> what would piss off Taz more 
that being made a fool of with a ruse concocted by Leorush and Dante Martin. The idea that just the notion of Taz being Taz when it's eventually uh, revealed that Dante Martin has not in fact teamed Taz is the perfect platform on which Taz can be his brilliant bellicose best. So I'm hoping it's a ruse because I want to see Taz get pissed off. Yeah, one of those moments when if they cut backstage or whatever it may be, like you say, we're not going to be able to take our eyes off everyone. You know, how is Ricky Starks and, and Powerhouse Hobbs actually feeling about Dante Martin being a part of this? Or, yeah, what's what's exactly going on? Because it doesn't feel as straightforward. It was such a, I don't want to say swerve, because it sounds a bit Russo-esque, but it was such a twist. It's, 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 all words can be good and bad. Yes. Most words in wrestling, Jesus Christ, <laughs> do not <laughs> on that. Most rest, all wrestling terms can be good or bad. Momentum. Even distraction sometimes. Opportunity. Opportunity. Even even distraction. Look at Buddy Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi and AJ Styles. Best distraction finish of all time. Where's it going with this? Swerve. Yes. Swerve could be a good thing. Of course it can. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really, really excited to see how what they do and to develop this story this week. Like you say, not just with Taz, not just with Dante Martin, but with the likes of, of Leo Rush as well. The Rise Mon. Yes. I no idea what's going on with him, but when he comes back, it's going to be... <laughs> I've seen what you've been up to, bro. You've been keeping busy, I see. Uh, right, finally, uh, Sige, tonight it is Brian Danielson versus Alan Five Angels. Atlanta's own Alan Angels. Uh, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, and now Alan Angels. Is Brian Danielson's reign of terror over the Dark Order set to continue for you? Yes, of course. Yeah. I've got something in my stupid Mark nerd head at this point, right? And that if it doesn't come true, I'm going to be annoyed. I love the cruelty of this, right? I think it's great. Them establishing, I don't know, everyone gets a little win in their hometown and everyone gets a pop and, every, and everything's cool, right? Because that, yeah, I'm taking the piss, but it genuinely was nice to see. But you use that now. I'm getting Bully Ray here. You goddamn use it for some fucking heat, huh? <laughs> it's all about the fucking heat, you mocks. <laughs> so now the heat is Brian Danielson, this like amazing sociopath. You know, when you read a take and you think, God, that's too good. That pisses me off <laughs> how good that take is. I wish I'd come up with it. Can't remember who it was. It was a tweet. It's fantastic. It was something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, the American Dragon is such a great and unique heel character. He's almost like a sociopath who values winning and victory more than anything else. He's the sort of guy who would challenge you to a title match at your mother's funeral and think less of you for not responding there and then. And that's exactly <laughs> who he is. Now you look at him fighting, dude. It's like, what the fuck are you going to worry about? Brian, ah, I'm a better champion than you. So this version of the American Dragon character rules. It matters more than giving Alan Angels five minutes in front of his home fans. Kick his head in in five minutes, mm. right? With the idea, and he knows that, he's got till five. Yeah, I've got till five. Five. If I don't get that, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. As well. <laughs> you said that before. I want him to kick Alan Angels' head in. That'll be the third head he's kicked in in really sort of unceremonious quick time. Biceps and everything. Yeah, flexing. Now, I want John Silver in New York City, okay? <laughs> That's the one I want to go 11 minutes of. Jesus Christ, 
he's getting taken to his limit here, and it's going to be this excellent match that gets Silver over in defeat. But you, the worry there is if uh, Danielson is taken to limit in 11 minutes by John Silver, then that all but confirms that, you know, Hamman Page is going to beat him. That's why you get the goddamn heat back on Danielson when annoyed that he's been taken to his limit. He goes, there, hand in hand, TKO, head kicks, and then when the bell rings, he doesn't stop doing it because that's how vicious he is. Gets his goddamn heat back. It's all about the heat. <laughs> I mean, I can't really add much to that other than would it be quite nice if he went, when he's at his angriest and he has no choice but to just cruelly batter him for the win, could he go perhaps one minute longer than Kenny Omega managed in that first match they ever had? Yes, and seven then minutes, that would the, be. We've got, that'd be seven minutes, but that'd be fine. Because we've got this whole thing about Omega and uh, Brian went to a 30-minute draw and now it's taken him exactly one minute longer to dispatch Alan Five Angels, but he's done it in a much nastier way because he's horrible. I'm big into this. It's really straightforward. It's really simple. Um, the fantasy booking isn't that much of a fantasy because AEW basically told you it was a reality on week one. Brian said it on the microphone. Whose hometown is it next week? <laughs> I, I think there's two I think there's two guys from Atlanta. <laughs> Where's... Where's Anna G? Where is she? Step up. <laughs> like, the, I, like I, I love this story. The outcome is the title match, which should bang. Um, Hangman Page, if I could add one thing to this, it was so cool to see Hangman Page get so immediately physical with Brian last week. But I want a little bit more of that. Um, it, I, I don't just want it to be like running him off or chasing him away or anything like that. Their little teases it's it's just there's such a newness to hangman page versus brian danielson that i didn't really realize how much i wanted it until they first came face to face so i'll take i don't i don't really need this to be them being held apart physically in the build-up to the title match i would quite like like for as much as what brian's going to do with the dark order i would like hangman page to be trying to do as much to him as an act of revenge each week too it's it's great watching them interact physically and it's an actual storyline wrinkle here that we should probably think about because it's the preview. Like every week, they've came up with some kind of excuse or out one way or the other for why they can't fight there and then, whether it's Danielson twisting his words or what. So there's going to be something like that again, I suspect. I've got an idea for well, that. Oh, let's go. So, yeah, you've basically covered off exactly what we're going to say about the match. A bad week to be Alan Angels. Um, but I think, yeah, so you had first week, he said, Oh, typical, you want to wrestle me, but you're not in your gear, so you're not ready, so I'm not going to give you an excuse when I eventually beat you. Week two, oh, I'm not going to wrestle you now because I've just had a match, so I'm tired, so of course you want to take a match to that. Week three, he can almost do sort of... So, I don't know, Danielson comes out and then Angels comes out. Maybe Hangman Page comes with him and says, right, you're here, you're in your gear, let's go sort of thing. And Danielson can either say... Oh, typical. Look, you're supposed to be this guy's mate. He's got this wonderful platform to wrestle me and you want to take it away from him in his hometown. Or you say, I'm not wrestling you now. I've game plan to face this highly talented individual who's going to cove the hood in all. I'm not game plans. You've had all week to prep for me and I've been studying any tape of you. I've been watching Alan Angel's tapes all week long and, and then, then like rolling his eyes a little bit. And you can extend it even further. Well, this week we're in, I don't know, 
We're in uh, Garland, Texas, and I hear there's a certain creeper who was born about 100 miles outside of this city. So bring on the creeper. And he's got some bastard <laughs> and like ill fit lycra. <laughs> That'd be good. But okay. yeah, it's just more of the same. Uh, no notes with this uh, Hangman page, Dark Order, Brian Danielson feud, but yes. Excited. If we do that creeper, if we do that creeper thing, can we at least have one spot where the creepers shape Brian like a chair and Evil Uno sits on him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, this has been the Dynamite preview. Let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. Uh, you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. And you've got all of Sidgwick's brilliant new book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW at whatculture.bigcartel.com. You can even get it signed by the man himself. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our review of NXT 2.0 oh, is available oh. right now. And our review of this show will be in your feed tomorrow as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.